thank you guys. We read this morning, or rather sang this morning, uh, some words of certainty, haven't we? This last song is a big one. We sang words like finished and completed and defeated and uh, all of these that, that make us know and that remind our hearts that the work of Christ toward us is enough. It is complete. And on the cross when Jesus said, uh, it is what? Finished. Uh, it was not merely a word about his earthly life being over. This was a word of the work of salvation being full and complete. Uh, and that's the word that we're going to be looking at today to a group of people that the Bible calls the Hebrews, uh, a group of Jewish uh, Christians that uh, a letter is written to. And many people disagree over who wrote this letter. There's why I disagree with good people that you love and I love and have differing opinions about who wrote this letter to the Hebrews. Uh, I have my opinion, and I think it's the right one, of course, uh, but uh, everybody has a different opinion. One thing we know is that the Holy Spirit of God wrote the book of Hebrews, amen? And so when we come to Scripture, it's good for us to remember that as the Bible says, that all Scripture is breathed out by whom? By God. And so as we're talking, and I may say, and Paul liked to say this, or Ezekiel uh, is, is noted for having said this, uh, that's just a manner of speaking uh, that, they, that God used their agency that through human beings he penned his word that is perfect, authoritative, and ever true. There is no mixture of error within the text of Scripture. Why? Because its author is the eternal God. And so we read this with authority as we speak. I think Paul wrote um, this book to the Hebrews. Uh, maybe he used an Emmanuel, somebody to aid him because of his poor eyesight. I do not know, but there are such um, powerful similarities in both the, the themes and the styles of Paul's other letters. I think the Apostle Paul uh, had a big hand in this. But we're speaking today of the words of God. And so if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's toward uh, the latter part of the New Testament. And it's a pretty big book. Uh, right before James, right after Philemon. We're going to be in chapter 10. And the writer of Hebrews has spent a great deal of time trying to establish exactly what we just sang about. Hebrews, those in the Jewish faith, those who have practiced sacrifices and, and, uh, and, and blood purification, who have practiced all of these rituals of cleansing, uh, he's telling them now something has changed. Jesus is enough. Not only is he enough, he is superior. Superior to the priesthood. Superior to the angels. Superior to all other things that you might want to revert back to putting your hope in. And at the end here in chapter 10, or beginning in chapter 10, he also uh, gives a, um, a message not only that Christ is enough, but that there are certain things that show that you belong to him. If Jesus is enough, if he accomplished it all for me, if my salvation uh, is secure. You remember the old pastors used to say, I'm as sure for heaven as if I were already there, right? 
uh, Jesus' work is enough toward us. If that is true, then how do I know? Is there evidence? Are there things that ought to be true in a life of one who is in fact redeemed that we can look at and know whether or not that we have placed our faith in Jesus? And yes, indeed, there are. There are three statements we're going to look at. I was sent to the store the other day to get a bag of salad. You know, you don't have to just make salad. It comes in its own bags now. And uh, you go to the store, and I said, get some salad. And I went there, and I never knew there were so many kinds of lettuce. You know what I mean? I mean, who knew that, guys? I mean, uh, lettuce is lettuce. And I looked in the bags of salad, a whole wall of them. Uh, And here's some of the names that I, I pulled off. There was, of course, Caesar salad and garden salad. You know what that is. And then there was romaine salad. Then there was one called mixed greens. I thought that was just called salad, uh, right? Uh, Mixed greens, spring mix, tropical blend. Sounded like a suntan lotion. And um, there was one called superfoods. Now listen. This makes sense to the male brain. If you're standing in front of salads and one of them is called superfoods, that's the one you get, right? I did get it. And I didn't know. I've never heard of this. Why don't people get this superfoods more often? Then we went home and ate it and I realized why they don't get it. Uh, it was uh, kale and quinoa and. and so many different lettuces, uh, and that's just a silly introduction today uh, to the three lettuce statements uh, in this text of Scripture. They each begin with a command to God's people to let us do certain things, to let us show certain evidence, to let our behavior be a certain way, to demonstrate, not to earn, not, not to, uh, to work, but to, as a demonstration that Christ is really in us. And so the title today is A Right Response to Real Redemption. Yes, there are ways that as Christians we are supposed to respond to a redemption that is legitimate, that is authentic within us. And so let's read this together. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start in verse 19, short section of Scripture. If you don't have a Bible, these words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word for you. And so we have those on the table in the back uh, laid out there. You grab one on your way out if you need that. No cost to you, uh, just to give from our heart to yours. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. This would have been unthinkable. These Jewish, I mean, we don't get it as much, but these Jewish folks here, these Hebrews, would have always, through, through millennia, have been taught and have experienced that there is a, a stark separation from God. It was represented by a, a thick curtain in the temple between God and man, between Uh, sinners and the holy of holies only one person could go in there only once a year they tied a rope around his ankle in case he died in there it was so sacred 
that no one else was allowed to go in. They would not even go in to get one if they died. They would pull him out by the rope. That's how separate the holiness of God was from the sinfulness of man. This is a big deal. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. The curtain, of course, is the curtain I just spoke of. And the only way, as we know in Scripture, that that was split from top to bottom, the only way that happened was through the splitting of the flesh of the Lord Jesus on the cross. There's an analogy there. Since we have a, since a, we have a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, in verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near let us right number one let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water this was a throwback to the rituals they would have been very familiar with the sprinkling of blood to purify to cleanse internally invisibly what the heart and the conscience right that to, to have that internal man cleansed by the sprinkling of blood and our bodies washed with pure water the outward ritual the the actual or the practical cleansing you're sprinkled with the blood of a sacrificed animal to cleanse you from within but also you're ritually washed that you in the presence of God would be actually effectually really clean in his presence on the outside. Let us draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast. That word fast uh, is like the word fasten. Fasten your seatbelt. Let us hold securely. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, comma, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging what? One another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, the day drawing near. There are three revealing responses to of the redeemed that we see here how do we tell it's not by works we know it's not by works but are there are there certain behaviors that we can look at and say there's evidence of redemption there are there certain behaviors and, and certain evidences we can look at the lack of and say God I may not be fully yours Lord Jesus, yes, it's true that you are a great priest over the house of God, that a new and living way has been opened. The holy places, uh, we have confidence, there's confidence to enter that. But Lord, I may not have a great priest. I may not have confidence to enter the holy place. I may not have a new and a living way opened up to the curtain that is your flesh. Because Lord, I look at what you said is important. Uh, that ought to be revealed in the life of one who is truly redeemed and God, it is absent, it is vacant. What are these revealing responses? Response number one, bring your life fully 
into the presence of God. That's what's kind of encapsulated in verse 22, that we are to draw near, we are to come into the presence of God. The Lord Jesus has opened a new way to, the, to, to God. Will we stand on the outside or will we come fully into his presence? And the idea here is that since Jesus' saving work to open the way for us to God is so complete, and we saw that in the first part of this, uh, all this confidence in a new and living way and a great priest over the house of God, the blood of Jesus, since his saving work is so complete, lacking nothing, then our approach to God should be complete. Do you see that? Uh, we should lack nothing in what we are willing to trust to him. And the picture is of somebody who, yes, the curtain's been torn, and yes, praise God, there's a way in now, but, you know, I'll just one foot in, one foot out, right? The Bible says, no, you draw near with a true heart. The word true here uh, means unhidden. Literally, I mean, that's the meaning of this word in the original language. Unhidden, unconcealed, unrestrained, uh, or, or authentic. There is no part left out. You might say it is wholehearted. Let us draw near with a whole heart, wholeheartedly uh, to God in full assurance of faith. The, the, your, your faith is not partially full. There's not a piece of the pie missing. Of your, the, the, you're, you're bringing everything and placing it before God. How full is it? How true is it? It's this true, that it's not only in the inner man with your conscience and your heart sprinkled clean. It's not only the invisible places, right? It's not only we say, yes, I raised my hand, I walked that aisle, I, I bent that knee, and I went to those waters. It's not only that, that that has happened, but in your actual life, in the visible part, there's been an outward washing as well. How are we supposed to approach God through this new and open way that Jesus has made with a true heart? No, no nonsense, no game playing. No, no, no cup game where you wonder where the coin is. Uh, we come into the presence of God with confidence, and as best as we are able in our humanity, we offer ourselves fully to him. Our whole heart, we don't hold anything back. This God, this new and living way. You find someone who has said that they have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, but you look at their life and there's no evidence of being sprinkled clean in the inner heart and the inner man. And there's certainly no evidence of the out, outward man having been washed, having been regenerated. Then there ought to be a question mark. Has regeneration taken place in this life? Something's being withheld. I brought this chair today. Somebody brought me this chair. And uh, I wanted you to see it. I want you to look at this chair, and I want you to look at me. And you know that the person who bought me this is a cruel person, right? I'm just kidding. They're not cruel. But um, they did buy me this, right? And I looked on here, and it said uh, the max, okay, exclamation point, if you can see it. Big exclamation point. The maximum bearing capacity is 198 pounds. Not 200 pounds, not 199 pounds. It's like they loaded it up, more and more weight. And at 198, it 
it, it, there it went, right? Now, I have sat on this chair. I do sit on it, you know, regularly. And I'm not going to do it today in front of you because the worst may happen. <laughs> and the stage is new. We don't want to have a hole in it. But, um, but I, I do sit on it. But let me tell you what I do when I sit on this chair. I don't lean back all the way. You know what I mean? And where do you think I put my feet when I'm on this chair? You think I just kick them out and just, just relax? No, I keep my feet right up underneath me. You know what I mean? So I can push up whatever the difference is between this and 198 pounds. I'm trying to push that much up, right? I sit there and I push up a, a little bit. And, you know, when I go to sit down on it, I don't just like plop on it. I go down easy and gently, right? I'm just not quite sure about my little blue chair. Listen, there's a risk and a danger in the Christian life to, to see that the Lord Jesus has opened for us a new and a living way to whom? To the God of our salvation. But to say, you know what? I see that. I get that. But you know what? I'm going to hold back just a little bit. I mean, there's some things that I want to push up in my life. I, uh, Jesus, I know you could hold me up, and I know the way is clear, and I know the work is complete, but I like my sin a little bit, and I want to kind of keep that to myself. I'm not quite sure that I want to put the, the whole weight of my life uh, on you. There are areas that are important to me that I don't want to really share out there with you or with other people, you know, my heart and my relationships, my money, you know, my time, uh, what I do, and, and, and my, little, my, my little pet sins that, that uh, I've had with me my whole life, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm not going to put it all on you. I mean, I'll put one foot in the door and one foot out, but I'm not going to put the full weight of everything on you. Listen, if Jesus is the great Savior that we know him to be, and we've sang about him this morning. We've sang in superlative words about the Savior this morning. They're all true. If those are true, and we know them to be true, that he is a great Savior, then we ought to live lives that are greatly saved and that show evidence of that, that our hearts internally sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ, praise God, and also washed clean on the outer man, inside and out. He's a great Savior. Is he a great Savior in your life? That's the question this morning. Is there evidence? Paul or a person who wrote Hebrews, Holy Spirit? Yes, we, we, we get it. Jesus did enough. He paid it all. Is there some way we can know that he paid it all for me? That my faith in him is real? That the redemption that covers me is authentic? Well, certainly, the Bible says. Are you coming fully into the presence of God? Is there evidence? Response number two, fix your life securely onto the faithfulness of God. Bring your life fully into the presence of God, but fix your life securely onto the, present, the, pre, the faithfulness of God. Verse 23 puts it this way, let us hold fast, hold securely to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful no one says hold on tight if something's not about to happen you know what i mean no one says you're going to have to fasten your seatbelt. hold fastly 
if things aren't about to get blown all around. And they were being blown all around in the lives of this Hebrew church or these Hebrews to whom this was written. They were suffering greatly because of what? The confession of their hope. It was very public what they had done. They had departed from their religion and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They were losing jobs. They were losing property. They were being exiled out of their families. Uh, There was a great loss happening. The the winds of persecution were swirling about these folks. And and, and the apostle writes here, uh, fix your light, hold on tight. Hold on securely to the confession of your hope. Don't waver. And the word waver uh, literally in, in the Greek means an incline. Without incline. And you get the impression that you're, you're standing tall, you're standing straight, you're anchored into the confession of your hope, of your faith in Jesus Christ, and guess what? You're not going to lean to the right or to the left. When I was a kid, we had a place called Showbiz Pizza. Now it's called, anybody know? Chuck E. Cheese, right? A lower class of showbiz. Um, if that were possible. And so, uh, showbiz pizza, we go there, you know the drill, and uh, always before I left, we'd have some tickets from the games, and you could buy a helium balloon out of a machine. You go up to this machine, and you put your tickets on, and um, the a balloon would latch onto this hose, and you'd, you'd see it inside there, blown up. A big, big balloon would blow up, and then they'd put a little stopper in it, a string would tie around it, and it would pop out where you could get this balloon. And there were, no balloons were like showbiz balloons. And I had heard that if you suck in a helium balloon, it would change your voice a little bit. I had seen this happen. And I surmised that if you suck in a little helium, and it has that effect, if you suck in a, all the helium, right, it must do something I mean, magnificent. And so I opened the balloon, boom, right? And just the whole thing, right? And it wasn't long, and guess what? I was leaning, right? To one side or the other side, and I went crashing down. My uncle caught me just in time before I hit a a table with my head, and I woke up sometime later. Happiest I've ever been. Uh, (laughs) Not really. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without leaning. That means when the winds swirl and the, and the, the opposition comes, we're not, we're not leaning. In this setting, we don't come to Sunday school and we're, man, we're, yes, confession of our hope, you know, true and stout-hearted. But when we go to the lunchroom or to the locker room, well, we're, we're leaning. When we go to the boardroom or to the break room, man, we're different. It's all changed. We're, 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 we're leaning. You might think of a runner poised for a sprint right there at the starting line. They're all angled forward. They're about to bolt up out of there. And the Bible says, don't be that kind of believer. You fix your life securely onto the faithfulness of God. That's what we're holding on to. It's not only up to us to hold securely to that, but what we're holding on to is going to hold securely to us. Who's faithful? Him who what? Promised. The one who promised is faithful. 
you go to this little rinky-dink amusement park called Lake Winnie. I go there. I love it. They come around. The, the rides are ancient. It's right up here in uh, northwest Georgia. They come around at the <clears throat> right before you go on these horrifying rides, you know. They come around, and, and some 14-year-old attendant comes and pulls on the little, the little latch, right? He just gives a little, just a little tug, you know, just a little bit. Like, you should pull harder on that, you know. Let's, let's test that for me. But uh, I'm always afraid, yeah, I can hold on to this, this thing, but is it going to hold on to me, right? And the word here from Scripture is there is confidence. It's not all up to you. Yes, you hold fast. You hold securely. You dig in. You don't incline. You be consistent in every setting when it comes to the confession of your hope. But there is reason to, to know that you're safe and secure because what you're holding on to is the, the faithfulness of him who promised. God is ever faithful. We never have to ask, okay, God. All right, Lord. You know, you're holding on to... I'm holding on to you, but are you going to hold on to me? At the end of the ride, at the end of the journey, when we go to eternity or when Christ returns, guess what? He will always and ever be found faithful. Without exception. Without exception. Well, Matthew, you don't know the challenges I'm facing. They're pretty big ones. The Lord can handle that. He has seen it and known it, and he will be faithful through it. You hold on to him because he will hold on to you. See, our confession of repentance and belief in Jesus Christ is not just a one-time motto, not just something we say for salvation. It's not just for places of safe harbor where we can get away with it without opposition, without winds and waves coming against us. Our confession is to be the banner and the anthem of our whole lives. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter what it costs us and the costs are real i'm not pretending here that that is fictitious stuff the costs are real but whenever whenever did jesus say that following him would come without cost in fact here's what he did say in, in matthew chapter 10 he said you will be hated by all for my name's sake matthew 24 you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake John chapter 15, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. That's a, a powerful. Do you find that the world loves you as its own? Do you find that the full embrace of the world is available to you? Something's wrong. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, praise God. Therefore, the world hates you. The costs are real, but our confession is to endure and be consistent and unfailing no matter where the Lord takes us. In fact, it is where the gospel is most unwelcome that our confession reveals what we're clinging to all the more. And it also reveals who's clinging to us. Response number two, fix your life securely on the faithfulness of God. But lastly, the third response, connect your life personally among the people of God. This is pretty clear here. 
Sounds like a big task, doesn't it? Come fully into the presence of God. Don't leave anything out. It's hard for us to do. I mean, don't, don't trust ourselves. Don't push up on our own life that the Lord Jesus has got us. We approach God with confidence. That sounds hard to do. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. We do that because even in the midst of trial, that sounds hard to do. It is a big task. And this bringing ourselves to God and clinging to the confession of salvation are not to be done in a vacuum or in isolation. The Lord has put us together. We are a gathering people for a reason. And he points it out here. It's not exactly what you might think. This ought to strike us as a little bit strange for three reasons. The word here is to consider, verse 24. Let us consider and we lose this word in modern English. We consider something means we think about something, right? I'm considering whatever. But the word consider means to give your attention to, to, to labor over in decision. Boy, he's really considering where to propose to her, how to propose, what kind of ring to get. Man, he is really, I mean, he is giving his consideration to what to major in. He's got the, cat, the college catalog open in his room, and he's marking things. He, he's just laboring. He's, consi- he's really chewing on this. If you say, hey, man, that per- that, what they did was so considerate. What do we mean? Well, he really gave a lot of thought to me. When they, when they did that for me, that act or that gift, it was so considerate. I mean, he focused on it. It had purpose and meaning. That's the meaning of this word that we lose in English, but it's very powerful in the original. Uh, When it comes to our gathering together, what it's going to ask us to do next, we are to give our attention to it. We are to consider it in a way that is meaningful and that captivates uh, our attention and our resources. Where is your consideration in life? Something is capturing your attention and your resources. And your life will bear that out. It will be shown, and it is being revealed. Make no mistake, it is not hidden. No one's a dummy, right? Something is going to be considered in our lives. And the Bible says it ought to be this gathering together that we ought to consider. It is very serious. It surprises us because it is serious. But it surprises us because uh, it, is, uh, it is necessary as well. This is put very negatively, don't you think? It could have said, the Holy Spirit could have said, uh, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works and meet together regularly. Could have been put positively. But apparently there was a problem already with the neglecting or the forsaking to meet together. And so this is put negatively for a reason then and for a reason now. We have a tendency to neglect or to forsake gathering together. We don't need someone just to say, hey, it's important to gather together. We need God to say, do not forsake it. It is a command that he gives to us that we ought to what? Consider. It's surprising because of its necessity but also our role here is surprising what are we supposed to do 
you hear, you listen to people about coming to church. Sometimes I've heard these phrases. Man, I got to go to church. I got to get my tank filled up, right? You know what that means. Very casual way. It's not altogether wrong. I'm not con- condemning that. There is a sense we come here to be filled up. Somebody said once, and I wrote this down. Somebody said, I got to get my praise on, right? Anybody ever said that here? Okay. Uh, I got to get my praise on. I got another one here. Somebody I know said, not, not in this church, said, boy, I need me some Jesus time. I'm going to church, right? All those are, okay, we get that, right? And they're not outright wrong. But what does Scripture in this passage zero in on? It's not the filling of us. It's us filling others. We are to consider, I mean, focus consideration not an afterthought, not a whim, not a if I got time or if, it's the, if there's not something more important. We are to give careful consideration to stirring one another up to love and good works. That means you've got a ministry here. Not just me, not just Trey, not just Fletcher, not just Vicky, not just the Deacon Fellowship. You, you, you have a ministry here and it is not merely to get filled up. Fill my tank. Have me some Jesus time. Uh, it, it is to come here having given thought to when you're among God's people, how will I stir uh, others up to love? How will I show love? How will I encourage love? How will this agape love of God, how will, I, how will I talk about love? How will I pour it into those who will listen to me? How will I find someone younger or, 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 or less experienced than me and encourage them with this? How will I be an example of this, of this sacrificial love and to good works? How will I perform good works? But how will I stir you up to good works? How are we going to make each other better? What's, the, what's the, the next task? Encouraging one another. How am I going to encourage folks today when I come to God's house? You know, yeah, I do want to get filled up. And when, we're worship, when I'm sitting right here worshiping, I tell you the truth, these songs, they fill me up. And the, 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 the truths we sing, they fill me up. But there is an importance, a task, a purpose, men, a challenge issued to you to be here among God's people so that you can minister and do among God's people, that you would be a servant here. I was laying on my dentist's little, you know, it's not a couch, it's not a chair, what is it? Who knows? I mean, it's that thing they lay you back and... The lady had cleaned my teeth already, and the dentist came in. You know how that goes. And uh, they come in with all the tools, and she's got my mouth wet wide open, and she's putting her, stu- her little metal forks in there. And um, she's talking, and she knows I'm a pastor. And she said, how's, ch- how's your church? And she's a very sweet lady. And I, you know, they always ask you those questions. When what? Your mouth is wide open. Their fist is in there, right? And... Uh, <laughs> I and uh, so um, she said, well, and this, this is recently. She said, well, we've never gone back since COVID. She said, it just got so easy to uh, watch it uh, on the couch with the kids. I thought, you're in a dangerous position to be saying that right now, right? My teeth, <laughs> they could have clamped right down. 
But honestly, I didn't disagree with her, right? I, I agreed with everything she said. I, mean, I had no, no uh, problem with the, the, the words that she said because it is easier, isn't it? Boy, it's easy. That's true. And so convenient and so accessible and so nice. When we were doing it, we had to close the church for 12 or whatever weeks we closed the church. You know, I kind of got used to that. It was nice and easy, convenient and comfortable for all of us. When is the last time that the Lord said that that's what we ought to be looking for? When's the last time Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me? It's going to be great. It's going to be easy, right? And if it's not comfortable, you're doing something wrong. You follow me to the nice, convenient places. No, he did not say that. And yes, it's easy. But powerful? No. Purposeful? No. Meaningful? Eh, maybe. Is God using you? Useful? No. I mean, the television is a one-way communication, right? How are you going to stir each other up to love and good works? How are you going to encourage one another in that setting? No, friends, we are a gathering people. There's no way around it. There is no way around it. If you want to sit at home and say it's just easier. Maybe you'd even say, listen, I, I, I ingest more spiritual content uh, than you ever will on a Sunday. I, take, I, I listen to all, I've got from all around the world, I take that in. But listen, we're not just a content distribution center and you're not just a content chewing monster. You are to be the content among God's people. We're gathering people. Don't mistake it. I was here the other week, back in the back, after church, and uh, somebody said, stay right here. Someone's coming to see you. It was Miss Grace, somewhere right over here, Miss Grace, on her little walker. I said, no, 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 no. I'll come up to where she is. They said, no, she wants to come see you. And she walked back to the back up this thing and saw me back in the vestibule. You think, well, maybe her car was parked out there. No, it wasn't. She then walked all the way back down here and through the building to get out to her car. She does that every week. She walks down by my office. I'm in the office on Sunday mornings. I hear the clicks. Click, click, click. I know it's Miss Grace or Mama Jean or some of you others. I don't, but I know, I know the sounds of it, right? Listen, it's not easy, is it, Mama Jean? It's not easy, is it, Miss Grace? No, it isn't but how valuable it is. Valuable to God's people. Valuable to God's word. Valuable because it is one of the evidences of a real redemption and a right response to it. We ought to take seriously that what God has given us to do as the evidence and outworking of saving faith cannot be done while holding his body and bride the church of the living God in the state of rejection. That can't be done. We're good at arguing and coming up with reasons and what do they call it? Rationalizing things. 
But we're going to take Scripture at, at its word here. This section is bracketed by two aspects of Christ's identity and work, this whole section. At the beginning, he's a great Savior, a great priest, right? I mean, he, ha he has saved and he is saving. Uh, but at the end, what does it end with? To do this all the more as you see what? The day, capital D, day, that is the return, the day of Christ's return, as you see that drawing near we know Jesus as Savior, but he is also coming back as judge. And when the gaze of the victorious Lord Jesus falls upon us on that great and awesome day, it is going to matter about these things. It's going to matter. What does your life show it's been entrusted to? I mean, you've walked into the presence of something in life. What does it show it's been entrusted to when all along the Lord Jesus has made a new and a living way into the presence of God? What's it going to say to the eyes of Christ when he comes and found that the way was open through the curtain that is through my flesh? And you entered the presence of some other thing. It's going to matter. It's going to matter how we've cared for our confession how we took what meant everything to us about christ into the locker room the lunchroom the boardroom the break room on the soccer field on the band bus all of this is going to matter what we've done with our confession did we dodge did we lean did we stand true and it's going to matter how we've treated his blood-bought bride the church it's going to matter what if that day were this day? Capital D Day, Monday or Sunday, the 15th of May in 2022. What answers would you have to give to the Lord? And so what I want to ask you to do as we leave today is think about this. How does your answer to King Jesus need to change between now and when he comes? And if he tarries, we have time to be ready. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd be happy to offer you a time of response. This has been a heavy sermon. But I must say, if God has spoken to you, you should come. When the Spirit speaks, friends, it is not in our discretion to say no. Maybe today you need to make a decision for Christ for the first time. You say, none of this evidence is in my life at all. It never has been. I, I don't have a way to God because I don't have a Savior. Maybe you'd come today, put your faith in Jesus Christ. We'll show you what to do. We won't embarrass you. We'll celebrate with you. Maybe you need to just come to the Lord this morning on bended knee and say, God, listen, I'm convicted by your word today. If you arrived here again to this planet in victory today, Father, I fear my answers. I fear the answers that my life would give. Lord, help change me and make me ready. You can come and offer that prayer today. And hey, listen, he who promised is faithful. 
He won't leave you where you are. Maybe you come for church membership or baptism or some other reason. I'm here to be happy to counsel with you, pray with you, or give you privacy, whatever you need. If you need to come, it is your legs that must move. I cannot do that for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the word of God, for trusting it to us. I pray today that it would have an impact that glorifies Jesus, that holds high your word, and Father, that changes your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to respond.